0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom Home and home. Well, if you're going to do a whole show focused on sports on TV, you absolutely at some point in that show have to talk With Michael McCarthy, he has been everywhere covering sports on television, sporting news, USA Today, Sports Illustrated, the New York Times. Now he's doing it for frontofficesport.com. You can check him out on Twitter at McCarthy R-E-V, Michael McCarthy. Michael, it's Ross Tucker, and it is Jason Mertides here on Home and Home a radio.com sports original really appreciate the time and you coming on the show. I guess we'll start with your news, you know, during in January about Tony Romo and what ESPN might offer him in terms of a contract. Jason and I were debating whether or not the broadcaster really has an impact as to whether or not people watch. So my question for you is, and I don't think it has that much of an impact, if any, do the networks feel like broadcasters affect ratings? And if the answer is no, then why do they pay them so much?
1: I would put it this way. Nobody tunes into an NFL game for the announcer. Uh, They tune in for the game and to watch the action. Having said that, a bad announcer can cast a pall over your entire network. Uh, I just uh, throw out Exhibit A, Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. Uh, If you think ESPN liked getting mocked on social media every Monday night because Jason Witten was so robotic and put his foot in his mouth so many times, you're crazy. So I, I think a good announcer enhances a broadcast, but a bad announcer can uh, uh put a stain over your entire network.
2: Well, if that's the case, Mike, um, to be going to the lengths that it seemingly CBS is going and is going to go to retain Tony Roman, I'm assuming they have a, a, a less right of refusal or a right to match in that's the contract correct, situation. yeah. Uh, so so when I look at that and I go, well well, if that's the case, then and if it doesn't move the needle from a rating standpoint, and we all know that ratings dictate revenue then why are they willing to go so far to keep Tony Romo when they could probably find another quarterback that isn't going to kill their Q rating as a network or cast that pall over them, but maybe not going to give you as much as Romo does and the buzz that Romo has generated?
1: Yeah, I I, I think there's a, several uh, parts to the answer. One is it's not just a question of ratings. I mean, when CBS or ESPN or uh, starting on announcers, they have to satisfy several stakeholders. One, of course, is the v- viewing audience, us. But two is the league. They're competing for the best games, the best schedules, the most Super Bowls. So they have to satisfy the Jerry Jones and the Roger Goodells of the world. There's several stakeholders. Take uh, ESPN, for example. This is a no brainer for Jimmy Pitaro. They've had the worst schedule, the worst announced team, and until recently, the worst relationship with the NFL. Well, you signed Tony Romo, you. St- Help solve all those problems at once. He's, you know, practically a son to Jerry Jones. He's uh, hailed as the top announcer in the world, and they'd probably get a Super Bowl out of it.
0: Wow, wow, Michael, that's that's very interesting. What about name recognition? How important, in your opinion, is name recognition? Because this is another one where, for me, once the game's on. I just want whoever's going to describe the game the best. I don't really care if you went to 20 Pro Bowls or none.
1: Name recognition is very important. I mean, I know you guys have been uh, all over the sports TV business, so you know what I'm going to say. But there's very few announcers who can move the needle with the public the way Tony Romo has. I mean, I have to go back to, to John Madden to have that kind of reaction from the public. So, you know what I mean? 99% of the time, people don't give a damn about the announcers. Like you said, they just want somebody to get out of the way and describe the game well and maybe teach them something along the way. But Romo seems to have struck a chord with the public in a way I really haven't seen in 15 years.
2: Yeah, Mike, the interesting thing to me, though, is initially when Tony Romo started because he doesn't fit into the cookie-cutter analyst chair like a lot of guys do. They come in and they do it the way they saw it growing up and where it's where it's announcer play-by-play guy analyst very rigid romo has come in and put a flow to it and done his own thing been way outside the box in his approach and and we were talking before you came on you got to credit jim nance who's a venerable broadcaster for allowing tony to be tony but initially a lot of people were turned off by tony romo it took some time for them to realize that his, predicted, his ability to predict what was going to happen was his fastball. But that took a little bit of time, didn't it?
1: Jason, you're right. And it's easy to forget that. You know, you give a, a dog a good name, everybody wants to add to it. But in the beginning, Romo wasn't good. He mumbled. His voice was kind of funny. He would go up and down. He would uh, stumble over uh, Nance. And I think Nance, as you and Ross uh, accurately point out is really the secret weapon here. I mean, he's one of the all-time uh, play-by-play announcers, and he was willing to put his ego aside and make Romo the star, to help Romo develop into what he became by the end of the first season. And by the end of his second season, I mean, that's uh, AFC championship game between the Patriots and the Chiefs. I don't know if you remember uh, how they, uh, they called that game, but to me, that was nearly a perfect broadcast. I mean, if I was CBS, I would have said, you want $10 million? Here it is, 10 million a year right <laughs> after that game.
0: Yeah. We're talking with Michael McCarthy, uh, who's a senior writer for Front Office Sport. Check him out on Twitter, at MMcCarthyREV. Been reading his stuff for years, going back USA Today, Sports Illustrated, etc. I wanted to dive into, Michael, the XFL because I've been following their ratings, I'm obviously you know, very curious. I guess the question I have is, what ratings do they need to maintain? I know they've dropped every week so far, but about what level do they need to maintain for them to really be able to monetize this a year from now with advertising and for this to be a sustainable business? Because I'm just curious, if we know or have an idea of sort of what the magic number has to be. Yeah.
1: Ross, I would put it at 1 million plus per week. Uh, in week three, they averaged 1.6 million. Uh, now, that's down 48% from 3.1 million in the first week. So, in the space of two weeks, they lost half their audience. That's worrisome. That's very worrisome. That's kind of uh, going along the way of the original XFL and, of course, the late unlamented AAF. But having said that, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? What else is on TV that can get that kind of numbers? You know, baseball hasn't started yet. They're up against college basketball. So, you know, if, if they can maintain in the $1 million, $1.5 million range, I think ESPN and Fox and the advertisers will be happy.
2: The question is, Mike, will they maintain that? Because for me, the, the product is second rate as compared to the NFL. And in a way, you know, they obviously can't compete head to head with the NFL, but in a way, the fact that it starts immediately after the Super Bowl, it for me is not a great time to start because I'm ready for a little tiny break from football. And when I do the side by side comparison a week later or 10 days later from the Super Bowl to the XFL, it doesn't hold up. So it doesn't hook me initially. So can they maintain that one hundred, you know, that one million plus audience? And why hasn't it worked in the past and why is it going to work now? What's the difference?
1: Can they maintain it? I mean, I'm going to go with history and say, no, Uh, you know, you show me a spring football league that has worked and, you know, I'll give you a million dollars. I mean, every one of them has gone belly up. So, I mean, if I'm going to follow history, I'm going to say, no, they're not going to maintain it. You know what I mean? The, The numbers are heading downwards. Uh, and I think you and Ross have uh, hit upon a point that nobody's really realized. There was an internal debate within the XFL about when to launch. There were some people within the XFL that wanted to launch much later for exactly the reason that Jason is describing, that it comes literally within a week of the Super Bowl. But what, from what I'm hearing, Vince McMahon has always had it in his head that he wanted to launch the Sunday after, the Saturday after the Super Bowl, and that's what we got.
0: So my question about the XFL, Michael, is what have you thought of the broadcast so far? And we know from the first iteration of the XFL, a bunch of that stuff made its way into the NFL. What have you thought about the broadcast so far, the access, the microphones, et cetera? And what, if anything, do you think the NFL will adopt? Ross I, I think actually the broadcast and the productions have been better than the game on the field
1: uh you know ESPN and Fox have thrown top top talent at this uh the productions are terrific. I love the mic up access to players I mean I've always thought that audio is the last frontier you know the cameras and everything are so good now that the last frontier really on t v is to really hear the players and uh being able to go to a player right on the field you know right after they throw a touchdown and or this a field goal, as Pat McAfee did, is amazing. Uh, I think uh, Ross is absolutely right. I mean, uh, the NFL just sat back and picked up a lot of uh, innovation from the original NFL, uh, XFL, including the Skycam. I think, uh, you know, this time around you'll see more access uh, to players on the sidelines where they haven't been uh, allowed before. And I think you'll, you'll see them pick up Ross this whole audio revolution that this new XFL is uh, doing.
2: Hey, Mike, um, one of the things I'm really curious about is, in my opinion, they've really perfected the way television brings you football. It's, it's done so well. HDTV, we talked about Romo and a lot of the great announcers and just the presentation of the game is tremendous. And some of the other sports, there's a little lacking there. Because the the drop off from the live experience is so dramatic to the at home experience, whether that's if you feel that's the NHL or NBA, even golf to some extent um, does well on television. But uh, there's still some things that they could probably do better. And Fox is trying to do that now as well. But what sport needs to be improved from the live experience the most to the at home experience that would help the sport grow and garner better ratings?
1: I think it's hockey. Uh, You know, everybody has always said this, that, you know, hockey is great in person and it's uh, bad on TV, and I think that's still true. I mean, I took my 16-year-old daughter to her first hockey game, Christina, the other day, and she was just amazed at the speed and the hitting and the beauty of the game up close, which she wasn't getting at home. Uh, So I think it's hockey. Uh, On the other hand, I think, you know, football – is the most perfect sport ever invented for television. The late great Frank Gifford told me, you know, you you have 22 players on the screen at one time at the snap. You've got natural breaks to go to the bathroom, get a sandwich. It's just the most perfect sport ever invented for television.
0: Wrapping up here with Michael McCarthy from sport.com at mmccarthyrev on Twitter. Michael, where are we with the streaming stuff and with these TV deals. There's been so much talk with the CBA that the NFL wants to get the CBA done now because it will impact the TV deals and I'm assuming the streaming deals. So the question is, do you believe that that whether or not there's a new CBA would have a big impact on these TV deals? And I saw a report up from Pro Football Talk I don't know where they got the number of $3.2 billion more per year in TV deals. Is that realistic? It is realistic, Ross. I mean, I think some of these deals are literally going to
1: double. Uh, the NFL has a fantastic story to tell. I mean, most of the, the most watched telecasts on TV now are the NFL. It's the single most valuable property in prime time. Uh, in terms of the streaming deals, you know what I mean? And, and all this talk about, oh, Amazon's going to come in and YouTube and Google, and da, 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 da. you know, I mean? I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, the NFL is still broadcast driven. And I think that the fact that they embrace broadcast TV is really paying off for them, because when you look at leagues that are primarily cable TV, such as the NBA, they're having ratings problems due to court cutting. So uh, I really think the NFL is going to stick with broadcast TV. As far as the streaming portion of it, Ross, I think we're still one negotiation away. They're, they're going to do this round of deals. It's going to last seven or eight years, and then maybe seven or eight
0: years down the road. Then we'll see the streaming take off. Michael McCarthy. Michael, before you go, can you tell the folks about front office sports that might not be? Oh, I'd,
1: I'd love to. We're the fastest growing publisher at the intersection of, sports and business we have a must read free daily newsletter and a website we have a shot callers video series where we uh interview folks such as yourself who are big names in the business both in front of and behind the camera and uh we're growing like we're growing like gangbusters it's a real rocket ship
0: awesome great to hear michael thanks for coming on the show hey thank you guys i really enjoyed it